Hello from Brooklyn, New York. This is Rabbinic Redesign, and I am your host, Rabbi Shira Koch Epstein. We clergy leading Jewish communities through this new normal have unexpected opportunities to meet the needs of our people while also realizing our vision for Jewish flourishing. This podcast helps you access new ideas and helpful resources for successful rabbinic innovation. How might we use technology to create meaningful streaming and interactive worship experiences, even if we are not technological experts? This week, I got to catch up with my friend and colleague, Rabbi Daniel Bogard, rabbi at Central Reform Congregation in St. Louis, Missouri. Daniel is a tech hobbyist and a rabbi who cares about ritual, and with incredible generosity, is sharing what he has learned about how to use free technological solutions to stream images of the Siddur while also moving seamlessly from live interaction to pre-recorded video. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Shira. I'm delighted today to be here with Rabbi Daniel Bogard of Central Reform Congregation in St. Louis, Missouri. Daniel, you and I had the privilege of learning together at the Hartman Rabbinic Leadership Initiative for a number of years. I know. It's like so hard not being there this summer. I just, I feel it. Uh, It's it's good to see you. It's great to see you. And behind you, you have this awesome mosaic that your family painted during the COVID epidemic. So it's always fun to have a visual. And I'm glad to get to speak with you today. So many clergy have reached out to me to say that they have been utilizing the advice, guidance, guide that you have been putting out for how to move their tefillah and their sidor online and how to do live streaming and otherwise engage people in worship online. And so I wanted to get a chance to speak with you and to give our audience a chance to hear from you some of what you've done, what that shift has been, and how it might instruct them to do the same. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i just kind of a geeky person in general. I've always been geeky and into computers and you know ran an online bulletin board out of my basement before there was the internet and things like this. But really, that was just a hobby. And then, of course, COVID era hit. And I remember particularly in those first couple weeks, it felt so essential to be able to connect with my congregational community. It felt like a lifeline for me. And I know it felt like a lifeline for so many other people. And I looked around and I saw so many of my clergy friends who were desperate to create that kind of virtual online community for their folks and were just struggling because like, it's not like they teach you tech support at rabbinical school, right? I mean, I, I majored in that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talmud and tech support. Yeah, exactly. And so I started just putting together a guide and it's gone through three or four different versions and it's going to have another big revision coming up soon after the Hagim. But the goal of the guide really was that anyone who's even just a little bit comfortable with computers, I I don't mean like techie, I don't mean geeky, I don't mean AV, any, just like if you're comfortable opening up a computer and browsing the internet, that you could open up my guide and within 45 minutes be live streaming in a meaningful way and helping to connect folks. That sounds pretty awesome. And we're going to ask you for some tips and tricks. But first, can you just tell us how you've been connecting with your congregants and what you've been doing at Central Reform? 
Yeah. So, you know, like everyone else, we've been some mix of triage and just starting to get a little strategic in our thinking. But, you know, so we, we have all sorts of venues. We try to have Zoom opportunities for people to connect with each other, whether that's in sort of large configurations within a number of webinars. You know, it's one of the amazing things happening right now is we can bring in the, the greatest teachers across the world for, you know, pennies of what it used to cost to bring someone in for an evening of adult education. Uh, we had Noam Siena come and teach a class on a rainbow thread that I had been in the middle of teaching. So we're doing things like that. We, we of course, are streaming services out of three different rabbis' homes. All of the services have a visual sidur overlay on top. That's been really big, and we've got a lot of uh, really positive feedback from folks just about how nice it is to sort of be able to look at one thing and not have your attention drawn away or split between or feel like there's some faux service happening where the rabbi is up there pretending like we're all together in synagogue and now we rise and now we turn to page 73 and so on and so forth. And just trying to take advantage of the ways that virtual community can connect us in some ways better than in-person community and try to double down on those for a moment when in-person community is difficult at the least. Mm. Before I get to the sort of tips and specifics, can you tell me one or two things you've seen or done where virtual connection actually had more impact than it might have had in person. That's really fascinating. So, right, this is a really small example, but I have been teaching, teaching's the wrong word, I've been facilitating a Talmud circle every Tuesday for the last two years, just Bava Metzia straight through. And we have way more people who are participating and learning Talmud every week, Tuesdays, 5.30, than we ever had before. And we have people participating from all over the country. And folks who never would have done this before. And, and we're actually pretty committed, I think, at this point, that Talmud is not going to go back to being an in-person event. That, mm-hmm. Of course, all sorts of other things will, uh, but the, this is going to stay virtual. It works better. I also love what you've added. We've heard from a number of people that accessibility issues prevented a lot of people from participation. And one of the things, one of the strengths we can lean into, like with your Talmud class, is for people who cannot get to your synagogue on Tuesdays at 5.30 for different reasons, can have access to study every Tuesday afternoon some Talmud. And that is a beautiful way that we've seen much more participation, particularly from people who otherwise could not participate. I think we're also struggling with the challenge on the other side of people who cannot participate through video and looking for other ways to enable Mm -hmm. that. That is the topic of a different podcast. But Daniel, you told me that when you were trying to solve for how to do tefillah with your congregation in the time of social distancing, there were four things that were really important to you. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah. So the first of them, I think, is great audio quality, particularly for music. I I just think this is essential. We've all learned this if we didn't know it before, that we're willing to watch something where the visual quality is pretty grainy, but the moment the audio goes, we're done. And so to have that is, first of all, just essential to keep people engaged, but more so, so much of how people connect spiritually and connect to their shuls is through music and being a part of that. And there's that right classic kind of Zoom guitar player sound, right, where it goes back and forth and you hear the guitar for a second, then you hear the voice for a second. Mm -hmm. And these things are solvable and they're so easy and anyone can solve them. And so... Yeah, the guide was really put together just so that people can do that. So the first thing people can read in your guide is how to make sure that their audio quality is good. Do they need to spend thousands of dollars on equipment to do that? No, you know, I, I always recommend getting a decent USB mic for 50 to $100. But the truth of it is there's some little tweaks you can do within Zoom your, with your own setup as it is right now 
that will get you, you know, 70% of the way there with $0. Fantastic. So the first thing people can learn about is how to improve their audio quality. Okay, what's number two? So number two is the ability to seamlessly switch between live and pre-recorded content. Many of us have learned to do this in a screen share way within Zoom, but if you've learned to do that in a screen share way in Zoom, you also know that it is buggy, that sound quality can be bad, the video quality can be bad. And there, there are much easier ways to do this. In particular, there's a, there's a piece of software I recommend people get called OBS. I forget what it stands for, but it's linked in the guide. I should say that OBS, like everything else that I talk about in the guide, is entirely free and entirely open source. Fantastic. Yeah, there's no cost for anyone to use this, including, by the way, number three for me on my list of four things, which is an on-screen CDUR. Having a visual overlay, I, I really, I think it is really a game changer in, in terms of the quality of the experience mm -hmm. for people who are participating. And so I have made now a, these are very reform style. So if you're from a more traditional background, you're going to need to supplement them. But a Kabbalat Shabbat Sidor, a Shabbat Morning Sidor, and I'm in the middle of making a Machzor, all of which are totally available and free for anyone who uses the guide to take and to edit and to make your own and to add to and so on and so forth. That is so generous. We're going to link to that on our website. And I also know that various movements have also created tefillot that can be put up on websites for those communities that do worship together online. So people can look to their various rabbinic organizations or their seminaries for those guides. And we're also going to be linking as many as we can from centerforrabbinicinnovation.org. But Daniel, so we had quality audio, seamlessly integrating pre-recorded and live material, and putting the words on the screen. And I think you told me, including the Hebrew, making sure you have all of that. What is your fourth tip for everybody? So the, the fourth one is bringing this all back to Zoom. And this is the place where I actually, I don't think we're doing best practices in our own community because, mm. you know, we, we've all got a thousand moving things and we can only fix what we can fix. But I don't think we're doing enough Zoom. I don't think we're giving enough opportunities for folks to really see each other. And I've seen the power of Kabbalat Shabbats from other communities where you've got all of these folks seeing each other on Zoom or everyone mm. lighting Shabbat candles together. So we're not doing it in my community right now as much as we should, but my guide takes you through how to do it. Got it. And what I mean by how to do it is how to take these first three things, great audio quality, seamless integration of pre-recorded content, and the visual sidur, and put it all back into a Zoom meeting so that all of your participants and everyone who's there in your community can experience it. That is great. And we're going to link your guide on our website at centerforrabbinicinnovation.org. One thing I want to ask you, Daniel, so I happen to be one of those rabbis who is not particularly tech savvy. I can use Zoom, but I find when I, like you said, when I'm putting up a presentation, I'm distracted by the presentation. It's hard for me to be relational with the people that I'm teaching with. So the things that you're recommending in your guide, first of all, how much tech background do they really take to implement them? Is it better to find someone in your congregation who has that skill set? Do you think rabbis and cantors and educators can learn how to do this themselves? Can you just give a little bit, as someone who you said was a computer hobbyist, it, it came easier, yeah. more easily to you, but can you give some advice on what you've noticed or what you know about being facile enough to do this at the same time we're trying to do the parts of our job we're trained for? Exactly. You know, I had totally forgotten this until you asked the question, but actually the guide started because we have five rabbis in our congregation of very, what a blessing. Um, very, yeah, amazing and amazing rabbis. I feel very lucky to work with the folks I do, but of quite a wide spectrum of technology, comfort, and talent. 
But originally I wrote this guide as a step-by-step guide for the folks in my office, including the administrative staff, to be able to set this up on the rabbi's computers and run it. Mm. So to answer your question more directly, I do not think you need much of a technical background actually to follow this. If you open it up, what you'll find are a ton of screenshots and step-by-step instructions and what you're supposed to go where. And you don't need to understand anything about the forms you're filling out during the setup process. All you got to do is copy what I wrote down in the guide and you only do it once. And once it's all set up, it's just there and waiting for you. And so I understand now from what you've said that if I'm a solo practitioner, a solo clergy person in a small community, I might be able to find a volunteer in my community who's not particularly tech savvy, but is willing to follow directions who could set this up for me. When you're actually leading Tefilot and you have all of this, are you able to run it yourself while you're leading or do you need someone else to step in as administrator? So I have a version two of the guide that will come out after the holidays that that's actually is going to focus on some of those pieces because I put a a few different technological pieces in place to help with that. I bought what's called a stream deck. If anyone wants to find one out there, they're they're pretty great. But the real answer is I find it really difficult to live produce these events and be rabbinic. Mm -hmm. I've been live producing all of our B'nai Mitzvahs so far. Mm -hmm. And then the only piece that I do rabbinically is at the end, I close out the services. And what I have found is that by the time I get there, it just, I, I do a bad job with Kaddish. I do a bad job with Elenu. I did mm. uh, being judgy here, but I've been in such a frantic headspace. It's very difficult. It's probably hard to be spiritual while you're also figuring out where to click. Yeah. And, you know, my head's not thinking about sort of how to make this meaningful. It's thinking about, okay, and in three minutes, I'm going to need to switch to this camera frame mm-hmm. and do this audio and this. So actually, Daniel, that gets to another question, which is when you think, just imagine yourself, and I know you've worked in various contexts, so imagine yourself working in a congregation where you really are the only clergy person, and you may or may not have congregants who have the the level of education to be able to know the door as well as they might need to to feel comfortable leading mm-hmm. or making choices. Can this be set up in such a way that someone without Jewish rabbinic knowledge can still run the service or run the presentation while you are actually engaging with congregants through the Zoom? Yeah. And my guide sort of presents a few different options how to do that. I should say, by the way, when I'm producing those B'nai Mitzvah, the part that's complicated is the switching of all sorts of different live folks at the same time. Mm -hmm. That my guide does not focus on that. My guide really focuses on one person in one location leading a particular service. And for that, I absolutely believe it's doable and you can be in the headspace and it was built for that. I I spent five years in a small community and the truth of it is in the back of my mind as I was building the guide, that's what it was there for. Because, you know, look, the the huge places and huge cities can pay someone to do these things. We just got a a bid for the high holy days and, you know, they want $2,500 to do a service of live production. Right. The huge places can afford that. But I'm telling you, the small places, rabbis sitting at home by yourselves in your basement like I am right now can follow my guide and can give your community these a small community for no money, the same things that these big places are getting. That's a really fantastic resource. It's really wonderful that you've done this out of the goodness of your heart and also recognizing what it is for our colleagues who are serving in those kinds of places. I grew up in a place like that, and I know you worked in a place like that. And we have so many wonderful colleagues we're speaking with who are solo practitioners really trying to serve their communities and being called upon to learn so many new skills 
so quickly. And so actually our center is here to try to give support to everyone as we all try Mm -hmm. to pivot quickly, learn new skills and respond with optimism, hope, and hopefully some innovation to solve for the future. I appreciate that you've been doing that for your community, but also seeking to support the community of clergy across, well, really around the world. Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. We will be sharing your materials on our website at centerforrabbinicinnovation.org. And I look forward to seeing some of the materials that our colleagues produce using your guide. So thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Yeah. If you use it, email me. I'd love to know that uh, it's going to use. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. I already knew that Daniel is a talented and generous rabbi, but I'm so grateful that he is sharing all of his wisdom with us for free. Are you streaming tefillah or other rituals? What tools are you using? Let us know on our Center for Rabbinic Innovation Facebook page and find out more about Rabbi Daniel Bogard and access his free, detailed, user-friendly, and shareable guide to planning, creating, and hosting your own interactive online tefillah at our website, www.centerforrabbinicinnovation.org slash podcast. Special thanks to our operations guru, Heather Wolfson, our editor, Andrew Kroger, the Office of Innovation, and our fiscal sponsor, Hillel International. This podcast is a program of the Center for Rabbinic Innovation made possible thanks to the support of the Jewish Community Response and Impact Fund. 